0: Welcome to a Canadian investing in the U.S. a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to a new episode of a Canadian investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Mike Rosehart. Uh, Mike, I think I'm gonna like. I was trying to get you on this podcast before COVID, so it's been a it's been a couple of years to or get this to go. Um, but for people who don't know Mike, I'll get him to give him a bit of an intro, but this guy is super experienced, um, lots of stuff to learn. Um, so, uh, stay tuned, but anyway, go ahead, Mike, um, maybe just a quick rundown or maybe like, you know what, let's just even tell you your story. Let's how, how do you get started? How you built sure. the empire in Canada and then the transition to buying some in the U S and let's, let's just tell the whole story and then I'll just ask questions as we go. And that will be an awesome podcast.
1: Okay, cool. I'll try to drop some nuggets for the listeners. Obviously, All I right. want to give them some unique insights of why I switched. Like I still invest in Canada, but why I started investing in the US and what are some things that I learned that are different from here to there. But uh, yeah. so I've been investing in real estate for 13 years. Um no, twelve years. Twelve years. Coming up. It's getting close. Worries, close enough. Um, <laughs> I, I'm thirty-one this year. Uh, I retired through real estate when I was twenty-four. I had 17 buildings solely owned. So that was seven years ago. And then I did a whole bunch of joint venture partnering and all that kind of stuff too. So I, I've I've done well over hundred property deals now in Canada, uh, $50 million worth of transacting at least, probably more now if I were to add the last couple of years. So I've done a lot of cool things. Uh, along the way, I've failed a lot, learned a lot. You know, um, We built up property management, construction businesses, sold that off. I've gone from like huge portfolio to nothing. Currently I'm in the phase of like disposing of any flips and stuff that I'm going and focusing on solely uh, larger multifamily. So motel, Um, conversion to apartment buildings, that sort of thing is is sort of my current focus. Um, Yeah, we started going to Florida, like how I got invested in the U.S. was started going to Florida because our in-laws were down there. So um, I'm kind of like a flexible retired schedule. So I brought the kids and we went down for the winter to Florida. This was like four years ago or so. And we're like, hey, the numbers make really good sense in Florida, in certain areas, comparatively to at home. So that's where we kind of got attracted to the investing and um, yeah, we got. Where did you end up landing?
0: Where, where Where are you investing in Florida?
1: Okay, so we uh, we've been all over the place. Like I've done a deal, like a couple of deals in Central Florida, down like towards Disney, like Kissing area. We've got uh, three or four that we did, or three that we did in a uh, Port St. Lucie Jensen Beach area, so just yeah. north of West Palm Beach on the east side. Yeah, yeah. And then we currently have a sixteen-unit uh, apartment apartment building slash like motel on the beach in Daytona Beach.
0: Ooh, nice. Yeah, yeah okay well that's that's awesome so um was, i was gonna ask something else and i totally went out to of brain part but anyway no no that's awesome uh, florida um tell me about this like what? why why florida why um what what strategy you're using that's the question i was gonna ask you you, you flipping these you holding these i guess the hotel you're obviously holding but the the other ones what, what, what were you doing with those
1: yeah so Market conditions have changed, which is part of why we're doing the Airbnb strategy. So yep. we did a few flips too. That's not true. We tried a little bit of everything. I've dabbled with some flips. We bought a, a mobile home and we renovated the whole thing and flipped it. We've done, you know, we bought a house just some land on it. And we did that, and we bought a couple of flips and redone those. Um, they ended up being flips, but they weren't intended to be. When we got into the two flips, actually, they were supposed to be Airbnb properties. But I noticed the price was still good. Canada's tanking. Interest rates are all time highs. I'm like, let's just cash this out. Like we're sitting on a hundred thousand equity here. Let's take it and move it into a hotel or something bigger. So just a shift in focus was kind of what got us to, to sell a couple of them. But um, yeah, I mean, I like to experiment. So I try little things and if they work well, then I go deeper. And so that's sort of what I've been doing in, in Florida. And The thing that I like about, about Florida is that, well one, the numbers seem to make pretty good sense. Um, oh. Two, I liked that I was there in the winters. And so initially it was like, I wanted something to do yeah, yeah. and I was bored, but I didn't have projects. So I created some projects in the area and uh, get something to do, make some money. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different strategies that can work in the U.S. I like in the U.S. to get long fixed rate mortgages too, like thirty year fixed rate mortgages. That's huge, right? They're not feeling the same pain that we are. Like, there's a nugget right there. If you're looking at like risks, the risk-adjusted returns in Florida are much better because most people have a thirty year fixed rate mortgage at three four percent, and they're most of them are assumable. There's even websites that specifically. You, know, you can go and find properties, hundreds of them, that all have 2 and 3% rate mortgages, and you can buy those properties. So you can you can walk into a property with an $800 a month mortgage payment that'll rent for $3,000 a month, and you can't do that in Canada. The mortgages are not assumable in the same way that they are in the U.S. and Canada. And so the, the whole mortgage environment keeps it in a way that there's just less risk. And so the returns can be comparable to Canada, but the risk-adjusted returns are much better in the U.S., and I mean, I still do it. I just pick up a 23 unit building in Sarnia, Ontario too. So I'm, I'm still doing deals here in Canada that makes sense. It's just, I don't know for me, I like both markets.
0: Well, you know, you're bringing up a lot of stuff about the, the multifamily stuff too. And um, there's a, a, it's a little bit biased for me, but like um, there's a stronger case to buy investment properties in Canada if they're multifamily. That's the way I look at it. Like if you're starting, if you're doing commercial like five plus and you're now dealing with a cap rate and you can, you know, the cap rate tends to be lower in Canada. So it means the property values are higher uh, and it's just a numbers game. It makes a lot more sense than buying a house for a half a million dollars and renting it for two grand a month. Right. Um, so there's, uh, um, I think it's gotten a lot harder to be a single family home investor in Canada. And it's gotten, it's, it's more, at least if I was looking at more Canadian stuff, that's what I'd be looking at is more of what you're talking about. The would you say yeah. 32 unit? It, it makes a lot more sense? 23, yeah, 23, whatever. just it run down. Like, I'm thinking that for 80,000 a unit. So, like,
1: the ARV is 160 units. So, we got a good 100% lift to achieve through renovation, but
0: it's got yeah. potential. And then, and then, like, I'm not going to completely poo poo on Ontario. You got those terrible landlord laws, but the, uh, you know, there's there's a lot There's lots of perks to this, and the, the high rent, right, and the low vacancy. Like this place is going to be rented. Like that's one of the reasons we've been uh, looking at Texas for the big multifamilies. Where, um, where for those ones, Texas is very, you know, it's similar to Ontario that way, right? Um, but it has a uh, better landlord loss. But <laughs> um, you know what's interesting though? People talk about
1: and what drew me to Florida initially, at least in part, was yeah. the landlord tenant board. Right, drove me out of out of Ontario in a lot of ways, and it's like. I got to Florida and I have a horror story, man. It took us a yeah, really? year to get someone out of out of a property bought in Florida. And I thought, oh, the, landlord, the rules are in our favor. Nuh-uh. It took us six months to get a trial. Um, what? Yeah, we had a squatter living on the land who had owned the trailer that was willed to them by a previous owner three owners ago. And they, we didn't even know they were on the property. We went by. It looked like it was empty, but they're still there. And I guess they, they come back and forth and they didn't want to leave. And then all of a sudden started inviting friends to stay in the trailer. And they're squatting. No one's paying any rent. There hasn't been rent paid in years. There was an old rent agreement with one of the people from 2019. And so we had to call the old property manager company that had gone bankrupt. We're like, can you kind of testify for us? This person was a tenant at one point. They say they've been there for 26 years. They have water's rights. Apparently that's a thing still in Florida, even though Florida really? has some of the strongest landlord rules, it still took us a long time. We're just now getting the order and we're going to enforce the order to get them off the property. It's, it took us almost as long as Ontario.
0: So, you know, okay, so what what, is, what was this you were <laughs> buying? Was it just a piece of land or is this like a piece of land with a house that has piece of house land with on, a house it? on
1: it, three bedroom brick house, but it also had an adjacent parcel that came with it that had like a mobile home trailer thing on it, which looked like derelict. And, you know, we didn't even think that there was, you know, people still living there. No um, we're like, okay, we got this bonus little guest suite thing, mobile home, you know, it's got utilities hooked up to it. But anyway, it turns out there's someone living there and, uh, then they invited a bunch of friends to start living there. And it became a problem for us with, you know, theft and no, issues when sure. renting renovating the main house. And so we're like, hey, you got to get off the property. And the police were like, yeah, we know about this place. Like, they've been living here for a while. They claim they're squatters. Um, at one point, they claimed they were tenants. One of the people claimed that they had right to the property because they used to be married to one of the owners 25 years ago. And they had, like, some old uncontested will. And they brought that up as a defense. It was four months to squash it. Of course, like, bogus claims. But she had a free lawyer helping her. And yeah. so they just kept bringing motions to delay. It's
0: like, oh, we have a right to the land.
1: Oh, uh, we have shown this trailer. And so like, there's this agreement and it's like, no, that doesn't hold up. That's like our lawyer just, you know, just wasting your time
0: just dragging it along. Right.
1: Like five thousand, three 000 to $5,000 in legal fees in a year fighting where we're not getting any rent, nothing to finally get the order to get rid of them. And it's just, I thought it'd be a lot easier to be honest with
0: you. Yeah. I've never had to deal with that, but I, I wonder like, cause you think of all these Ontario tenants, like, would cash for keys be cheaper than the attorney to, to, to go and do all this, right? That's some October 21st. We are hosting a conference in Mississauga at the Doubletree. Um, we have some amazing speakers lined up, Brady McDonald, Quentin D'Souza, Felix Vortman, uh, Arlen Bonin, myself, Adam Rass, Ali Ajami, Brent Green. The conference is called Canadians investing in us multifamily. Um, if you're looking for more information, Please go to glensutherland.com slash conference. We, we tried to
1: offer that to her. We offered her money. We're like, do you want money to leave? And she's like, no, this is my home. I'm going to stay here. Like, you won't be getting rid of me. And it's like, okay, well, that's not going to how it's going to go. But,
0: yeah. and we did a
1: We got the eviction room for putting the rent in now for the sheriff to come. And you
0: know, so, if them. it's a mobile home, does the eviction mean that they pick up the trailer and take it, or do they leave the trailer there? The challenge is they have hooked into my
1: septic on the property and my water. And they've connected into our hydro. Um, they've done a whole bunch of, they built some like fence structure thing. Like they've done, they've made it their own in, in certain ways. Yeah. yeah so it it's going to be a challenge, I think, if they take it to not do damage. But uh, th- they could take it in theory, I suppose. <laughs> I
0: guess we'll see. When's the order? I'm probably going to sue them for the damage,
1: right? Like they're broke. So like, <laughs> anything that happens, I mean, I have no real recourse with poor people. Wild.
0: Wild. Anyway, you, you mentioned. Unless you have more stuff to say about this. You mentioned earlier that you did a mobile home because you just, you just got mobile home in my head. You turned an a-, a mobile home into an Airbnb or you did something else with the mobile home?
1: Yeah, so the mobile home, we didn't end up airbnb it. We thought we might, but we decided to pivot on that. It yeah. had an in-ground pool, a guest house that was built on the property. Like it was the most bougie luxury um, what? <laughs> in, like, yeah like central Georgetown, Florida. Um, It was like the most bougie mobile home I've ever seen. We picked up for 130. We ended up selling it I want to say for like 270 um, when it was done. So we made a good profit on it. It's just, I think we put like maybe 40 or 50 grand. In, I can't remember. We, we made a healthy profit. I think with carrying costs and everything, we ended up making like 50 or 60 grand.
0: That's wild. So um, I'm just trying to picture this. So what kind of, pick me a picture. What is it kind of mobile home? Are we talking like an Airstream or like one of those boxier ones? Are we talking? Like, no, like- looks like a it, house. Yeah, it looks kind of like
1: a house. Um, it's been like permanently mounted. Like a portable, like a, sort
0: of like a high school portable that's sitting out there?
1: or Like it? a high school portable, yeah. Okay. We just
0: put like nice skirting on it, cleaned it up,
1: yeah. you know. And it was actually a big, like it had three bedrooms in it. So it wasn't a small one. Yeah. It was a large, large unit. And then an addition attached to it. So that was another challenge. We were able to, you know, kind of work through and make sure that was tied in properly. But we did all that.
0: Well, that's cool. The, the thing I found, because uh, I had one that was even uh, a property that was zoned, um, um, uh, what do you call it? not the property but the it was uh oh now i gonna have a brain fart what was that it manufactured home even though it was a full like 2400 square foot but it was built in a factory and they brought in transport trucks oh, on. This, same as this yeah yeah it was
1: like
0: i had a heck of a time getting um um a mortgage for it, right? Like just to, to because they're like, no, we don't like a lot of the lenders like we don't like it, and I I ended up having Not to settle for a it. sixty loan to value loan, and that was back when Canadians were getting seventy or seventy five loan to value, and I had to really take it in the teeth a little bit because of, just to get that because I needed I wanted a mortgage, I wanted to rip my money back out of it, right? And I also appreciate yeah, it appreciates. Yeah,
1: of <laughs> That's part of what we stole cool. it too is the financing is very complex on yeah. those. And it was like two units, right? So it's basically a duplex. So we had a one bedroom house. It was on a lot. And then we had the manufacturing home, which was like a three plus one bed. Um, so it was an interesting property. The people who bought it were super happy. They had like one horses. They had some land there. So it was kind of cool that for them, it was perfect.
0: Even how the, an appraiser is going to look at that, because you could send 10 appraisers and they're gonna look at that thing completely different. Some of them are like, there's no value to that, but this has all the value. Some of them are gonna say they both have value. Some of them are gonna say, I'm gonna give you, you know, 60% of what it should be worth because of these crazy reasons and wild, wild stuff. <laughs> it's definitely
1: a different, it's a whole different, you know, setup. Like everything that you knew in Ontario is different in Florida. There's the same, the same principles apply, but everything was just different. Like as an example, the culture, was very different for me. There's was like a culture shock. where, like, here in Ontario, people were better about honoring their word than I found in Florida. So like, I'd have a guy who'd shake your hand and say he's going to show up and I'm like, just tomorrow gets another job and doesn't text you. It just doesn't show up. There's like, so a lot of that like, it's, it's more capitalist and so people are just like out for themselves in a way that they, it's different in Ontario. Like a contractor here would call me like, yo, I got another job. um, Sorry, but I'm not going to show up. And it's just like, don't pick up the phone. Don't respond. It's like, that for me was like the people were very out for themselves. You know what I mean? Like they're out to, I found the same. you'll buy an appliance as an example on, on Facebook marketplace. You buy like two nice appliances for like 500 bucks. And like in Ontario, people will be honest with you. Like, oh, it's got like this issue or whatever. Like it works great. These people like it works great. You get a home and it just doesn't work at all. You plug it in the wires it's sprang out of it. We had a situation like that. And I call people back and they're like religious people and just like block my number. <laughs> like what is wrong with people? Like it's just a different People more savage, I guess, in like the some of the areas of Florida we were investing
0: in. What uh, what they like to be called is buyer beware, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, you you the handshake's done, that's
1: it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, so you have to be careful. You're buying wholesale stuff, you're buying appliances, you're buying whatever. uh You gotta <laughs> they'll if you aren't doing your own due diligence, they'll just take advantage of you. And it's even yeah. like. Um, I found I, I don't even like to, when I'm talking to certain people, I'll change my signature line in my, on my emails. So it to cops to cut out a Canadian investing in the U S cut out my picture with the, the logo in the background that says Canadian investing in the U S let's delete some of this stuff. Let's not, uh, they know I'm this far away. I might get, uh, you know, it, it might just, you know, raise an eyebrow that maybe we could, you know, there might be an opportunity here to this guy's not may not check this, but I'm going to check this, right. I'm going to send somebody down. Yeah. So you you back in Canada now or are you down there? Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I've created a new coaching program. I believe the new coaching program has way more value than any of the programs that have even existed in the past. What we've done is pre-recorded all the lessons so that you can work through it at your own pace, which is pretty cool. And then we're going to meet up on a regular basis to answer the questions, do deal analysis, and actually spend our time together working on things instead of spending our time learning things. I think this will make a seamless transition to buying in the United States and will help you solve a lot of your problems. If this is in- of interest to you, go to glensutherland.com coaching. I hope to help you guys invest in the United States and I hope we provide as much value as possible. Back to the podcast.
1: I'm in Canada right now, yeah. I'll be I'll be down there in early October, um, for at least a week, just doing some due diligence on the on the motel apartment conversion plan. Um, and then we're selling the property, so I have a if anyone's in near Port St. Lucie and wants a full Airbnb four bedroom house full of furniture, it's got two apartments in it. Um, I got a whole brand new thing of a furniture we used to stage, just probably going in a storage unit, um, or I'm gonna sell it piece by piece while I'm down there for the week. We'll see. Um. So yeah, it's that's definitely something I'm dealing with uh down there but yeah i go in the winters so i don't i don't usually go during hurricane season or i don't really want to be in florida during hurricane rainy season
0: <laughs> i'm gonna be down there in october and in november but not, well, hopefully it's not too bad <laughs> i think we're it actually, should be okay we're like okay about to we yeah so um you so say now that you're back here um and because I, I know like some people they get um I know you're not like this cause you're like you're a business guy and you used to managing a lot of properties, but you're managing now from Canada, you're managing the U S right. You're managing some Airbnb's. Um, it sounds like you're managing some renovation or something, at the, mm-hmm. that hotel. Um, how does that look? What kind of like hours is it taking to manage this? Uh, do you hire, you know, property manager? Do you hire project managers? Do you, what, 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 what kind of we, teams do you need to work this from a distance? Yeah. You need to have people for sure. You need to have people you can count on. Um, Surprisingly, we hired a realtor to manage our
1: our property management in the beginning. And that was, didn't work out very well. They're more focused on filling houses and less focused on the issues at our property. And so it didn't end up working out very well for us. I've heard um, that a lot.
0: They tend to like, they like the idea of getting paid an extra income, but the, they don't realize that property management is like thankless and a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it works out
1: like $25 an hour work, right? So it's, <laughs> it's not like the proposition they were hoping for. Yeah. Um, So I think that's the, you know, the challenge there is like do good due diligence, but so many property management companies are bad. Like I started doing due diligence on some of them and it's like, I hear horror stories and references about like withholding rent for months, marking things up like crazy. So I did a lot of subcontracting for the construction work. Like I, I got into the Spanish community that comes in out of Miami, like some of the, some of the illegals that are not supposed to work with in Florida, it'll be a legal guy. And then he'll have a bunch of illegals working under him and like. Whatever he does is his business. I'm just paying him, but I guess subcontractors in there really cheap. Like we were ordering, I was having a guy do flooring for like under a buck a square foot for labor. And then they were doing, uh, we were ordering the flooring out of Miami and and by the the crate. And for a couple of houses, we got it for like, you know, a buck, something a square foot. I think it was like a dollar 40 or something a square foot. It was good quality LVP. So there's definitely more opportunity to get good deals down in Florida in a way that you don't get here in Ontario. Um, but it comes with this challenges, right? Like like I said, I had several contractors walk out, you know, not without saying anything. Like they're halfway through a renovation, they get a draw and they disappear. And you're like, man, like you're not gonna, you know, finish the job, not gonna give me a text, a warning, nothing, just disappear. And so there's a lot of that going on. Maybe it's because I was hiring like, you know, the bottom half of contractors, they're cheaper. Like I was getting guys who are doing a buck a square, right? So those kind of guys, they'll float to the next project, you know, they're they're not super, super reliable. I did a probably a hundred thousand dollar renovation on one of our properties for like 40, 45 grand for the renovation itself. So yeah. I was getting things done for a lot less than like if I brought in a full GC company, I would pay through the nose. Yeah. So I was saving a lot by bringing in sub trades. But with that, you know, you got to walk behind them. There's a lot of babysitting that has to happen. And so I was reliant on like our grass guy was like doing checks for me. Like I had an independent guy who's coming to cut the grass. And I was like, he used to go inside and take videos and stuff. Like can you just do this and that? So I was like borrowing him while he's there on site, so like be an independent eye, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, that third party eye.
0: that's that, if anyone he caught that, that was like a golden nugget, right? There was there was the golden nugget. He said you'd promise a golden <laughs> nugget. There was the golden nugget. Is a, a third party eyes to watch the property, not the contractor sending you the photos of his work because they won't show you. Not the, the property manager either. either. They can
1: be buddies or not care to do the work.
0: Yeah, third party. Um, sometimes the realtor that's going to sell it because they know that they're going to be like you know if you're close to the finish line and yeah. they they usually don't want to do this all the way through especially for free but if you're close to the finish line they'll go over and they go you know that they haven't like put windows in on one side of the building and you're like
1: what <laughs> yeah yeah all that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> definitely need to involve your realtor they're like your power teams your title company i went I went to like five telecoms and played them against each other my ideal i was like here's the price here's all the terms can you beat it and then they would they would always show up in their pencil like and I'd send it back to the other title company and they'd be like, oh yeah, we can beat that for 20%. So I got like 50% off title fees from like initial ask. I was like, man, like some of these title companies are soaking people. And a title company is like a, your lawyer. You normally use like a law firm in Canada. Everyone uses title company for um, for closing. So you'd, you'd want your escrow deposit and send it to the realtor. It's always to the title I've always found in all my deals I've done. Um, it used to, like in, in Ontario, we do it to the realtor, right? The, the brokerage realtor comes, takes a check, brings it to the brokerage, but it's always to the title company and we get the escrow deposit going, um, to rate right to the title company in Florida. So maybe that's a trust thing. I noticed that a lot of the realtors in Florida are not like, it's a lot easier to become a realtor in like Florida than it is here in Ontario. It's like a two-year program now. Right. So I think there's just a level of like, I don't know what you want to call it, like integrity. Yeah. ethics it just isn't there in the same way like they'll lie to your face on a phone call in ways that they won't in in canada and like every every offer another golden nugget is like i notice every offer um they'll have like waivers like we're not liable for all these million things on every deal because they're afraid of being sued and everyone's sue crazy in the u.s so that's the thing that doesn't exist in ontario people aren't suing each other I, i've been doing business for 11 years in canada i've never had a lawsuit ever and I've had hundreds, probably thousands of sub-trades and contractors work for me, and I've never had a lawsuit. And in my seven deals in Florida, we had three potential lawsuits. Like it's just, everyone's looking for, nothing ever, it never came of it. Like we never luckily had any issues, not on right. we would, but just kind of What kind of, what kind of
0: lawsuits were that, like or what kind of things, is it like liens or what? No, like people are just, they just threaten it a
1: lot in a way oh. that they don't in, in Canada. Like we didn't, no one ended up going through anything. And oh. like, one point we had a contractor come with a gun, and like that was a thing that I didn't, you know, like he's like I'm getting paid, or like someone's getting shot, and like the, he has a piece tucked into his belt, you know, so like that's a thing that I never experienced in Ontario. It's just <laughs> it's different down there because people carry guns, so it's like imagine an errate contractor is maybe a little bit of drinking, not thinking clearly, you know, a bit behind on the budget, mispriced the job, and they realize halfway through they've mispriced the job, and we have a signed contract, and they're like. Or excuse my french like oh no i i yeah. messed this up and they're like they're desperate and it's like they realize that they signed a contract and it they made a mistake and so they have a choice of like walking away or like trying to take things in their own hands and like it's it's just different down there more more wild west
0: yeah yeah I was just thinking about this too because you just mentioned title companies, right? Um, just to, I'll give some like some tips too for some people, right? Because they're listening to this. Um, yeah. you You're talking about shopping around, which I've never actually done the shopping around, but um, if you're shopping around, it's when you're the buyer. Typically, the buyer gets to pick the title company. A lot of times, the title company is does both sides of the closing, which is different than Canada. Usually, it's exactly. two different lawyers in Canada that do the closings, but it's yeah. the same in the U.S., which seems wild. Um, and then the the title companies they also um bid things out differently depending. So sometimes um, the title company will say, oh, this is our fees. And then they'll make it look really cheap. And then all the state fees and you know, the registration of the, the deed will all come on as extra things and other ones it I'll include all of it. So if you are going to shop around, ask them like, hey, what does this yeah. include? Does it include all this other stuff? Like right? the they'll, they'll charge you like $25 for the stamp and they just have it on the desk. Boom, 25 bucks.
1: <laughs> yeah. So no, yeah, just it. Uh... Oh, another thing that was interesting too as a nugget talking with title insurance companies was um I didn't I couldn't believe the taxes and the setup fees on mortgages when you go and refinance a property. Oh yeah in Ontario with zero. It's nothing. There's no tax at all. You refi, you get a tax-free cash check. My lawyer could refi a property for 400 bucks here in Ontario. Because I, I do all the business with them. So he'll yeah. refi for like four hundred bucks legal fee, super cheap, maybe a hundred, two hundred dollars in disbursements. A refi in the U.S. is brutal. Like you're talking in some cases on a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage, like eight thousand dollars in like federal Florida tax. Like you go to do a burr in Florida, and you're like, shoot, there's like ten thousand dollars in fees to put a mortgage on, then refinance it, and put another one. It's like, wow, I didn't realize there were so many taxes and fees. They actually tax the hell out of mortgages. So if you buy in cash in Florida and raise money privately, it's way cheaper. Like you know- Potentially even borrowing like 12 to 14% is cheaper than doing an 8% mortgage plus all the fees on a short-term project, like a six-month flip, because you annualize those fees and it's brutal. That was something that like was not a thing in Ontario, but like taxing the hell out of mortgages in Florida is a thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I hear that all the time from Canadians that go down there because they get excited on the purchase and want to set up a 30 year loan on it. And then it goes up in value where they do a light renovation and the the value went up for whatever reason, the value went up and they want to do the refi and they, they back end load those fees on, on the 30 year loans. So if you want to break that early, huge fees, you want to, you know, and then you want to set up the loan. You're going to pay fees again, your origination, your title, your underwriting, possibly points, depending on the, how, crazy these title comp or how crazy the mortgage broker is. Some of them want it, yeah. some of them don't. Um it can really yeah. add up. Yeah. I usually like say at least I budget at least five grand, five to ten grand for like just for that. What's like,
1: crazy is like with the because there's a, like almost one percent just in government fees, which the state thing. That's, that like, that's gonna be states. That's a state that's thing, yeah. That's a step that's a Florida thing.
0: That's a Florida but thing. But
1: crazy like you're losing one percent lender fee right there to the government. Then yeah. you have another 1% just as the title companies. Then the broker might take a percent. If you're refining, there's more fees. You're talking like potentially the cost of the annual interest for the first year of that loan and fees up front. And if you break that, it's like the BRRRR method does not work the same way in Florida as it does in Ontario. Yeah. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, no, it, I always say that it's it, it. you can do BRRRs in Florida all day long. That it, It's state-specific. Certain states are going to make it easier for you. Certain states are going to be different. Yeah. And same things with Ontario, but... I think a lot of people like to put the US in like one bucket, but you know, there is, there is states that have, there are states are in Canada great. or then Ontario, right? There are states that have much better ones. They're all different. You got to know what you're trying yeah. to buy into. Florida, it yeah. does, it is known for having good landlord laws though. So we'll state that, um, that, that are, they are usually, in, they're in that bucket of the good ones. And I just, even you know, I was talking to some,
1: some lawyers and down there, and attorneys, and they're like, you know, some of the attorneys were like, yeah, we have like, Tenants go six months without paying before from the start to the end of getting the eviction. It can take sometimes 120 days. Oh, and you got to, you know, got to enact it. So I was like, wow, like I thought it'd be a lot quicker. So there's a lot of horror stories. I post on a forum about my situation and I had tons of people come out and be like, yeah, it took us like four to six months to eventually get them out. So I thought it would be like, oh, no pay, no stay. But it wasn't that quick to enforce.
0: So I've never had any tenants in my Florida property. So far, I've only flipped in Florida. I haven't uh, kept anything. Um, But like in Ohio, it's usually like, you gotta wait till they're 30 days behind and then you can file eviction and you'll have them out. Yeah, you can file eviction and start the process. You'll have them done before the next month. So usually 14 to 30 days after that. So two months in total or one and a half months to get them out. I think because the city, the place I was
1: in was kind of like central Florida. And so I think they just didn't have good court circuits with a lot of good Mm -hmm. dates. We were stuck waiting like months to get you know if you, maybe if you're in like miami you get a hearing like
0: a month i don't know so maybe it would take two three months know. it's also bigger city it yeah. on the, and that's also like that's a good question if you're going to um interview property management they're going to know this right so if you're when you're doing this you're like it's yeah. not always like sometimes it's when you're interviewing them it's about finding out what they can do for you how their process how it works between you two but like, they also know the market how long is it going to take to do an eviction here because county to county could be different right um, yeah how how is how is this gonna work for me if you know and the thing is um certain states like New York um every county has different eviction laws uh, so it's like if some of them it's yeah. legislated and some states it's it's county reg- regulated so you're like just knowing what you're buying right knowing how you're gonna get out of it it's awesome good, or good 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 advice anyway. Cool. I don't know how long we've been talking. Probably way over the, the I was thinking we were doing a 20 minute. I think we're at the 30 minute, but this was awesome. I think we'll have to do this. Maybe I'll have you back in half a year and we'll talk about something completely different, but. Hopefully I got an extra
1: 50 or hundred units by then.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, Mike, people wanted to reach out to you. They wanted to find you online. How do they find you if they wanted to pick your brain or. Uh, at my growth
1: on Instagram, i my growth on Facebook. I have the blue check mark for Instagram and for Facebook. So don't follow any imposter accounts. Go for the real deal. <laughs> um capital, gmail.com is my email so i don't know hit me up. i'm all over i'm on instagram like 10 times a
0: day posting stories so awesome well mike this was a fun one uh thanks for coming out and i really appreciate it thanks for having me on that was a nice video
1: bye